You're listening to The Catalyst with Samantha Chris, where we explore the inner workings of embracing the unknown, from ordinary daily habits to extraordinary measures. Get ready, we're about to ignite change and inspire action. Welcome back to The Catalyst, everyone. I am your host, Samantha Chris, and today I am joined by Dooku Foray, who is the founder of Rich Dreams, a platform that provides a safe space for people to showcase their success journey, build connections, and work towards achieving their dreams. Dooku is an international speaker, author of two books, and a two-time TEDx speaker. From being born in a Ugandan refugee camp with a speech impediment to representing Australia at the UN headquarters, Dooku's story inspires people to go after everything they could want in life. Yeah, uh, it's a pleasure to be here, Samantha, and you're making me sound like a superstar. I see. <laughs> this is now, the now impression I, I've got. N- now I want to meet um, who, whoever this Dooku person is. <laughs> 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 Thank you very much for having me today. My pleasure. You know, it's so funny you say that. I want to meet whoever this Dooku person is because that was my exact response when you sent me a connection request on LinkedIn. I'm never going to forget our first encounter. <laughs> you suggested that we do a video call so you could tell me about the time you flew from Australia to New York to eat a sandwich. And yes. Never in a million years would I have thought that that would hook me, but lo and behold, I just had to know how good this sandwich was and if it was worth it. <laughs> and you know, Sam, um, some people actually think um, when I when I do because I am um, one thing one thing that is not in my bio is that I'm also someone who talks a lot. I love talking. I love communicating. Um, but unfortunately, I was born with a speech impediment, which meant that I couldn't pronounce certain letters mm. and which meant that I was hindered when it came to um, communication. But I just love talking to different individuals and people from different cultures, different countries. I mean, you're in Canada, I'm in Australia. And at the same time, I love hearing wonderful stories. That's my favorite thing in the world. And I love sharing wonderful stories with other people. And so when, um, when, 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 usually when I say, you know, I went to, um, I flew from Australia to go to um, New York to eat a sandwich, some people think that that, that is an analogy, but no, <laughs> it was a literal $9 meatball sandwich. <laughs> okay, hang on, before we get any further, I have to say to those listening, if you were as curious as I was about this sandwich, you have to check out Duku's TEDx talk. We're not going to spoil it here, but there is a whole TEDx talk about this sandwich. And I have to say, I'm so happy that you sent that message because I had no idea then that it would be the beginning of a beautiful international friendship. And I'm like, I remember getting off our Zoom call the first time we chat and my cheeks actually hurt so much from smiling. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) who is this man? This ray of sunshine all the way from Australia, feeling your energy from here. And I am overjoyed to bring that to the show today. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, it's, it's a pleasure. And Sam, you saying, you know, um, my, my, my iris is like the sunshine. Um, I just want to say I was never the brightest person in, in my class. Hmm. Unintended. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we're going to get a lot of puns today. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're here for and 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 if anything um for those who um who are listening in i feel like if anything more than anything um you um we're able to deliver as much fun and as much laughter and as a, and as much inspiration as we can mm-hmm. and at the same time like you mentioned it's a wonderful international relationship and as a result we're also having other people listening to into us and i believe they're going to become our new wonderful friends as well 
I believe it. And I love that you brought inspiration into it. It's something I seek to do with the show. It's something I know you're really passionate about, but I am curious because you spent the first 10 years of your life in a refugee camp. Did you ever think then that you would be an international speaker, an inspirational international speaker at that? Sam, to begin with, I didn't know what international meant. And what, what, I'm, what I mean by that is I'm being born in a refugee camp. Um, that was all I knew. You know, that, that, was all, that was all I knew. I thought that was, you know, that was the world for me and that was the world for everyone. And everyone I knew at that time was in that environment. And so I didn't know that there were other places, you know, like, um, like Australia or Canada or some of these wonderful countries out there. And I didn't know that, you know, like um, different people look different. And I believe I was, I believe, um, I believe um, eight, seven to eight years old when I first saw a Caucasian, um, mm-hmm. someone, you know, like um, who had a different different skin tone to mine and then i'm just like well, you know this this feels a bit weird because it was out of context it was out of the world which i was living in and as a result the last thing i could imagine at that time was to become was to becoming a becoming a speaker and not only a speaker but an international speaker because i didn't even know that you know people were actually like people talk for a living mm. and at that time i did talk a lot you know i, I was someone who never shut up I was traveling <laughs> as much as I can in the little environment that I had. Um, but, but the last thing I would ever imagine was becoming an international speaker. And it is one of the humbling blessings which I've been um, bestowed with. And it's something I don't take for granted. Hmm. And in the first page of your memoir, which I've got right here, which must have cost you a small fortune to send to Canada, by the way, because this is a signed copy. So it holds the- a special place in my heart. The, you, you, did, you did the same to me, Sam. Um, now I am bossing up thanks to your book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. We are just exchanging energy from across the globe. And in the first page of your memoir, there's an ode to poor kids that reads, we were just poor kids with rich dreams, dreams so rich our parents couldn't afford to believe in them, making us feel that they didn't believe in us. What kept you going given the environment that you were in? What kept me um, what kept me going was that that was all I knew, mm. and so as a result, um, I just need, I just had to learn to live over there the best I can, and at the same time um at, uh, yeah at the same time when you're in the middle of a um, when you're in a picture it's hard to tell yourself unless you step out of the frame, and with that picture you know with that ten years that w- I was in that environment I was in that picture and all my surroundings was all I knew. And as a result, I thought this was what normal life was supposed to be like. And so even the food, even the different things, um, and just even seeing some of the dangers, I thought that this was normal, mm-hmm. you know? And as a result, my, um, my natural inclination was actually made to survive in that environment. And as a result, everything that I was doing sometimes, like when I look back um, nowadays, I'm like, wait a minute, you know, like that thing I did, that, that's a bit dangerous, you know, <laughs> like that's, I wouldn't advise that on anyone. Yeah, but but at that time I was living freely in that environment and just doing all of those different things, running barefoot in all of these different places, um, without pavements, without anything. It's bulk, it's um jungles, it's whatnot. But you know, it's like that was that was that was normality, uh, and so I just it, I was inclined to actually continue living there like how I am because I didn't know that there were other places. And what was the biggest lesson, would you say, from those years that you still carry with you today? The, the biggest thing, um, one thing I would say, I was able to develop a, a genuine sense of happiness living in that environment. 
because at that time there was nothing attached to you know like um I was I, I wasn't materialistic and I believe up to today I'm not as I'm not materialistic I happen to be more material materialistic than I was but in that environment we didn't have certain certain materials mm. and as a result we couldn't attach our values to um certain materialistic items and as a result what that also meant was that I was able to live a genuine happy life without having anything and. I always, I usually say that I was born in one of the happiest places in the world. And I believe that. And I feel like other individuals would um, believe that too, considering some of the wonderful, um, happy, smiling faces of some of the kids they see in some of the most disadvantaged environments. One of the craziest goals I've set and I have achieved, one of the ones which I am humbled that I have been able to make happen is, um, is improving my speaking ability and overcoming my speech impediment. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, you know, like um, at the same time, um, improving my elocution in this English language and, you know, becoming a very eloquent speaker. It, it's, I, I would say it's, it's, it goes back to um, the different perspective that I have. Mm -hmm. that, and I feel like um, sometimes God is just playing around with me. <laughs> and the, the, reason, the reason why I say that is because some of the things which people have seen me achieving were never my goals to begin with. Mm. you know they were they were never they were never my end goal to begin with I had other goals and which I started going towards and some of those things just ended up falling into places right, of making all of those things happen including including like I'm like becoming a speaker mm -hmm. um, it, I, I, I never actually sat down and said I want to become a public speaker but it was more of I have this um, goal of eating this sandwich and I need to make money to make that happen but I'm mm -hmm. going to do it while following my dream or do, doing something which I can, you know, genuinely feel happy with. And so I made different things. And obviously, I won't, I won't go into detail. But I said along the line, you know what, maybe I can, I can become a speaker and use that as a way to fly to the US and achieve my dream of making that happen. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you and I both know the outcome <laughs> of, what, <laughs> of what happened when, when, that, when, when that happened, because that was the initial goal. But everything else was just, you know, like um, it was just a second nature to it. But I also read in your book that mm -hmm. I don't remember exactly where you were, but someone asked you what you do. And you said, oh, I'm a I'm a motivational speaker. And it was <laughs> before you had ever given your first talk. And then mm. you quickly corrected yourself and you said, actually, that's what I want to do. It's not yes. what I am yet. And so I find it really interesting that you're saying either it's a perspective shift or it's that mm -hmm. it was never your end goal. And maybe that's the secret sauce. And that's, that's, that's the key is that being so open to allowing what is going to unfold to happen that you don't get in your own way because it hasn't prevented <coughs> you from being successful. Mm. Yeah, ab absolutely. And, um, and even in the book, um, what happened was because even before the motivational speaking, <coughs> it, I believe that came from um, the different daily reflections that I did. So mm -hmm. in the book, um, I, I did um, a daily reflection of every single, um, describing my day every single day for more than a whole year, one of the most tedious things I've ever done. And along the line, I actually started brainstorming of different things that I could do, um, which I could, which I could you know, make money out of and fly to the US and achieve that dream. And so what happened was the first one was I said, let me develop an app. And I ended up putting that on the side. And then I said, you know, why don't I become a model? Because I look good. I'm full of myself. I smile a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and then, but I'm like, I, I don't have the height requirement. And so I put that on the side. I said, why don't I write a book? 
And I ended up putting that on the side. And I said, why don't, um, why don't I go into agriculture? And I said, I don't have a farm. And then I said, why don't I become a speaker? And then um, and that speaking and all of those things were things that I can use um, to leverage myself to achieve these bigger goals. Mm. And as a result, I said, I can become a speaker because I had that speech impediment. And so when, when I flew to um, Hong Kong, actually, what happened, what happened was that it was something that, that was in the back of my mind, but I was actually thinking of putting it on the side because I was thinking of things that I could use to use so I can achieve this bigger goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but then um, and I canceled out a lot of things um, along the way, maybe four or five things. And that speaking one was, was the one that I was going to cancel out next. And then those individuals are like, you know what? If you do do it, we'll support you. And then I said, okay, you know what? I think I'll give it a try. Mm-hmm. And that's how, that's how that one actually came about. Um, and it's interesting you mentioned that because now looking back at it, um, I think I don't think I don't think I ever thought of it as being a goal. Um, but the fact that you mentioned it, it's like you know what? It was a goal. It, it mm. was a goal that I did put down um, um, and that I did follow. Um, but it, but I, I guess what I was the way I was looking at it was looking at the bigger picture of just having this thing I want to eat, you know, and <laughs> doing whatever I can to making that happen. And right. so I, I never actually took the time to look at the smaller things. So thank you very much for that. It is a sincere pleasure. <laughs> okay, let's get to this story. I feel like this is another goal. I, I interpret it as a goal. So it's interesting mm-hmm. to hear your perspective if you didn't see it as such. But I want you to tell the story about the shoe, the custom shoe, <laughs> because this is just such it's such an incredible story but it's all there's such an important lesson in so can you share that again for this audience well sam i just i'm someone you know i love food and and if there's anything i'm i love food to the point where i'm willing to fly from australia to go to the u.s to eat at nine dollars language that's my that's how much i love food and if there's anything i love in this world there's two things the first one is free food (laughs) i love free food and the second one the second one is staying in hotels for free. Oh, lots of yes. free stuff. I'm seeing a trend oh, here. Yes, <laughs> I, absolutely. I, I came from a place where I thought everything was free. And so if I can, if I can make, you know, like, um, and, and I believe that's how monks live, you know, it's like um, they're detaching themselves from everything. And, 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 you know, um, and as such, everything flows back to them. And mm. so I said, if there's something that I can do, because I was speaking to a lot of different places and some of those places happen to be hotels and hospitality venues and along the line I started talking to um, some some of the general managers and some of um, the place owners and whatnot and one thing I realized was that they were um, one thing that they had in common was that they were complaining about the supply chain that mm-hmm. you know like um that they were you know like um having challenges with and since I love um I love free food and I love staying in hotels for free and I love quality food what happened was um I, I talked to a couple of the different general managers and I said, if I am able to, um, if I am able to, you know, solve your supply chain um, issue, can I stay, can I stay in this hotel for free? And can I come and eat food for free? They said, Doko, if you save us as much, as much money as possible, your wish is our command. <laughs> and so when, when that happened, I said, you know what? I'm going to make that happen, Sam. And as a result, I decided to register a company, my company, H&H Wholesaler, and when I registered that company, I said, I said, for me to make that happen, because I'm a big, I'm a big um, vision thinker. And as a result, I said, if there's a customer I can get, 
that will make it easier for me to get all of these other customers and go to you know and go and eat and stay at those venues for free um i said what's which customer would it be and i thought about it and i was like the biggest event in queensland every single year is called the ECA. and the ECA is done by an organization called um the brisbane soul ground um the ECA is a it's a it's a festival and it's attended by more than 300,000 people mm-hmm. every single year so you can imagine it's huge and it was also the first time I was exposed to, you know, like some spectacular, spectacular. And it would, and in the back of my mind, I said, if I can become a supplier for those guys, I can go and supply anyone and eat food for free and stay in hotels for free. So I started. You just going have to, to land the biggest company. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. No big deal. Just you know, like just another day in my life. <laughs> yeah. Making things but, happen. <laughs> and so what happened was I started going to um, their venue back and forth um, every single day, but they kept turning me away. And I don't blame them because um, the ECA had been running for more than 100 years and they had dedicated suppliers and, to be, and no one knew me to begin with. And at the same time, I'm a young, good looking individual, but I was still young. And I so like how you, you slip in good looking. <laughs> did I? <laughs> <laughs> I was the best looking person they saw, but still they turned me away. <laughs> and if anything, I was the best looking individual who wanted to become a supplier from them. <laughs> and, 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 so, and so what happened was I started going to their venue back and forth and they kept turning me away. And, and, and I decided, I said, you know what? What I'm going to, uh, I'm like, I'm not going to give up. Sam, I'm, I'm, you, I'm not someone who, give, who gives up. That's, that's just, I don't know what that word means. So what I decided to do was I bought a plane ticket. I flew, I flew to China. And when I was over there, I found a suits manufacturer. And I told them to make the best looking suits I've ever seen. And I told them to write my name, Doko. Doko in the middle of the suits. And what happened was I wanted 100 pairs, but I ended up, um, but they told me the minimum order quantity I could, they, they could supply me was 1,000 pairs. And so I started negotiating with the manufacturers back and forth and we negotiated all the way until 3 a.m. And what happened was that they agreed to supply me with 240 pairs. It was the lowest they have ever supplied. Um, and mind you, this is a big manufacturer. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but but um, it, was, it, it was better than what they were suggesting because I wasn't about to buy a thousand pairs of suits. Um, but it was, um, it was, the 240 was better than what they were suggesting. But Sam, I was still pissed off. Because it was double what I needed. I needed and you only pairs. have two feet, Dooku. I know. <laughs> and- <laughs> That's 239 more pair of shoes than you need. Exactly. And so what happened was when I came back, when I came back, um, my mom is like, Dooku, what the hell are you doing? She said, what do you mean? She said, you, you received this many, this many pairs of shoes. What the hell are these for? I said, mom, I'm going to use this as a way to get my foot in the door with the ECA and supplying them. And so I can eat food for free. They said, Duku, you're crazy. I said, I know. And my mom said, you're crazy. I said, I know, mom, but watch me. And so Sam, um, what I did was in a pair, I got the right leg suit and I put it in a mailing box and I got a paper and I wrote a letter to the CEO of the ECA. I said, dear Mr. CEO, I would like the opportunity to do potential business with you and the ECA. The one suit in the box will present, I got one foot in the door. Give me a call on this number. Let's do business together so I can get my second foot in the door. Love I hope you appreciate it. my creativity and sense of humor. I signed with my name and my number 
And I, I ended up putting it, putting it in a postal, postal box and I ended up writing the CEO's name on, on, on that. And so I, and, I, and I posted it over. And two days later, Sam, he gave me a call. He said, and he said, Doku, I found your shoes. Where's the other one? I said, I have it. How are you doing? He's like, I'm doing wonderful. I just had a team meeting and everyone, and, and I told everyone about it and they thought it was the funniest thing ever. Now everyone wants to meet you. You're a celebrity. Of course. When are you available to meet up? I said, no, no, no. When are you available to meet up? And then he's like, come on, come on this day and this time and ask for me at the receptionist and I'll come and meet you. And then we can see what we can do. And so and the receptionist Sam, was like, uh-oh, here comes trouble. Yes. So when I went <laughs> back there, when I went back there, when the receptionist saw me, before I even said anything, the receptionist was like, you know, she had a bit of smile on her face, but it wasn't a happy smile. It's like, here we go again. You know, here we go again type of smile. And she's like, Duku, can you just turn around and walk and get out of here? I said, what do you mean? She said, you, 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 keep coming, you kept coming to our place for more than two weeks, telling us that, you know, you, um, you had meetings and whatnot. And, and, and I thought you had stopped doing that. But I just want to tell you, um, we, we are a place of business. We are very busy. You're taking time out of our schedules. And at the same time, we have other urgent matters that we need to get to. And we have suppliers. We don't need you. And you told me that um, you were meeting with different people here and there. And I, I confirmed with them and you were not. And, but, and I was like, but today I have a meeting with the CEO. She's like, no, you don't. I said, what do you mean? She's like, I don't know when to believe you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and so Sam, in that moment, I was like, okay, cool. I got my phone out. And since I had that guy's number, I gave him a call. He's like, Doc, where are you? I said, I'm here, but the receptionist isn't, isn't allowing me to see you. He's like, what do you mean? I said, I don't know. Would you like to talk to her? Uh-oh. And so he's like, yes, give the phone to the receptionist. So I gave the phone to the receptionist. And let's just say from that day on, she has never annoyed me again. <laughs> and, and so when, when the CEO came and he was looking me up and down because he didn't know what to expect. All he knew was that he got a suit um, with, um, with, with, the, with, with some weird, weird word, doko in it. And, <laughs> and he heard my voice. So he knew that um, I wasn't a Caucasian individual. Um, but at the same time, he didn't know what to expect. And so when I, when I went to meet up with him, and mind you, at that time, I was, I believe, 21 years old. And, and so he was, and this individual was about um, 50 or somewhere, somewhere in his 50s or early 50s or probably late 40s. And so he was looking me up and down. He didn't know what to expect. He's like, so Duku, what, what do you supply? And Sam, I didn't know what I supply. <laughs> So I was like, I was looking him up and down too. I was like, what do you guys need? <laughs> and he told me what they needed. They were like, do you supply that? I said, of course I do. <laughs> of course. Why do you think I'm here? Yes. And I, beca I, became, a supply I became a supplier from them. And at, and at the same time, I ended up um, using that as a way to, to, become, to become a supplier for all of the different places, including Marriott Hotel. And so actually, I think you would like this one too, Sam. What happened was that um, I wanted to also become a supplier for Marriott Hotel because they're the biggest hotel chain in the world. And as a result, as a result what happened was that I tried using the suits um, to get, um, to get my, my food in the door. But the, but the purchasing manager, he was sick and tired of me. And, he just, <laughs> and he, even the suits didn't work on him. So Sam, guess what I did? 
Tell me, I don't even know what you've got yes. up your sleeve. <laughs> I, 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 feel, I feel like you like this one more than the suits because you have, you, you, you love the suits. I want, I want you to live with um, your cheeks being more red than last time. <laughs> so so what I did was, um, I, because I also supplied the echo with some cutleries, some good looking cutleries. There's um, three, type, three types of cutlery. There's, um, Not as good a, looking as you, of course. Oh, yeah, I, I can't even argue with that. It didn't come <laughs> can't even argue okay and sorry so, yes. good looking cutlery yes good looking calories and what i did was um i ended up getting one of the calories actually and i went to um a, a place called burnings burnings warehouse they, they sell toolwares and whatnot and i bought an engraver and what i did was i carved the purchasing manager's name in the back of the spoon and and he had a long name so i ended up ruining two to three good spoons because of it <laughs> But I kept his name in the back of the spoon and I put it in a mailing box and I wrote a letter and I said, dear Eddie, uh, Eddie, I would appreciate it if you can carve time out of your schedule to meet with me. I look forward Flutter. to hearing from you. And so I ended up posting that over. And what happened was Eddie thought that was the funniest thing he has ever seen. And but at the same time, um, the Marriott Hotel, um, they hadn't opened, they, they hadn't opened a supply account for anyone for more than five years. And so they were not about to. And as a result, you can imagine, Mar Mario is um, the biggest hotel chain in the world and they have different venues. And the moment your, your company's details is in there, means that you become, uh, you, you can go to any other different Marriott hotel and say, you know what, you're a supplier for them. And mm -hmm. so they're, they're in high demand. And as a result, when I sent that, when I sent that spoon over, Eddie thought it was one of the funniest things ever, but Sam, he didn't want to get in touch with me because he knew how annoying I was and he was being approached by several people as um, just very consistently, but he made one mistake. And that was, he ended up taking the spoon home and he sold it to his wife. And his wife thought that was the funniest thing ever to the point where every single day, his wife kept asking Eddie, Eddie, how's Duku? Eddie, did Duku send another spoon? Eddie, tell Duku to send a knife so you can slice some time out. Eddie, tell Duku to send a fox so you can fuck some time out. Eddie, tell Duku to do one with, with my name so I can show it to my friend. Eddie, this and Eddie, that. And Sam, I'm not married, but I know that if you keep asking your partner something every single day, they're bound to do it. And so before you know it, before you knew it, Eddie gave me a call. Oh, how much did you have to pay his wife? His wife, oh, just um, one spoonful. <laughs> <laughs> so he gives you a call. Yes, he gave me a call. I went and I met up with them. And five, um, five years later, they had a new supplier in their supplier account. I, I, would, say, I would say because um, like, like, um, like the starting of my book, we were just poor kids with rich dreams, dreams of which our parents couldn't afford to believe in them, making us feel like they didn't believe in us. And what happened was um, the reason why I used that quote was because I feel like sometimes, you know, we may have a lot of big, rich dreams, you know, like which, you know, we just feel like it's not just going to enrich our life, but enrich the life of other individuals. But unfortunately, when you come from certain um, environments, um, what happens is that, you know, we, we don't have a lot, we don't have a silver spoon, you know, in our mouth or in our hand. And as a result, certain things we have to go out there and, and, you know, like, um, and finding for ourselves. But the best thing that I believe we can have is a sense of stick to itiveness to actually, you know, like um, to say we're gonna do something and do whatever I can to make that happen. And so even with um, even with the customer, what happened was that some for some individuals or for some suppliers, they may have connections. 
they may have other individuals who can introduce them and you know and who can make that happen but mm-hmm. for certain individuals for like myself i didn't have that but was i gonna give up no and i believe we live in a world where we're doing what everyone tells us what to do but we never asked ourselves what do i want to do mm-hmm. you know and as a result for me i'm like i just want to eat for free and what <laughs> am i willing to do to make that happen sir? and you know what i did and now everyone knew what i did and and if anything just ask yourself what do you want to do and whatever it is same whether it is wanting to eat a nine dollar sandwich or wanting to eat food for free you you can never know because you know like the nine dollar sandwich is what took me to the un headquarters it's yeah it's dreams do come true dreams do come true Listeners, please be sure to check out Duku's book, The Poor Kid with Rich Dreams, and his TEDx talk, The Importance of Spontaneous Decisions, both of which can be linked in the show notes. Duku, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and some laughs with us today. Always, Sam, always. And it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I have a big smile on my face, and I feel like this is not disappearing anytime soon. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Catalyst with Samantha Chris. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, I hope you're feeling a little more equipped to lean into the unknown and take inspired action.